Hey, greetings, everyone, Catholic radio listeners and sports fans. This is Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore, and you're listening to Two Guys in a Conversation. Brad, we're getting together this week, and uh, gosh, it's that time of year where high school football's starting to wind down, and volleyball's starting to wind down, basketball's starting to kind of uh, heat up and get rolling, and and uh, then we're going to have football playoffs, and it's uh, it's a crazy fun time of year for us. And uh, uh, I think first thing that we really wanted to uh, talk about is uh, the end of the football season for Healing. Ended up two and seven, a hard luck season, you know. And we had a lot of great conversations, and, and guys really uh, they they played hard, and they could have had a what if season, um, but uh, couldn't quite get it done against Spencer Tigers. Yeah, they certainly could have added it. Probably easily another three wins. A few things go their direction. I know they had a, a few injuries that really hurt them, but uh, very easily could have been five, possibly six wins this year. Yeah, and speaking of six wins, uh, uh, Roger Jansen has uh, is is stepped down as Helan's coach. 18 years, Brad, he's been a coach at Helan. Uh, his winning percentage, 0.813, of the games he won at Healing. That's a, re a remarkable statistic. Um, and, you know, uh, you had a son play for, for Roger, had a son play for Roger, and, and uh, you know, it's, he's one of those iconic-type people uh, that's going to be a real uh, – uh, he's going to be missed. And, uh, uh, you know, he's going to move on and do other things. Uh, but, man, what a run he had. Yeah, you know, my son loved playing for Roger. And additionally, us, us parents loved our sons playing for mm -hmm. Roger. You know, he was high character person. He was straightforward, uh, no games with Roger. You know, he reminds me a lot of Tom Osborne. Uh, Roger had seven plus wins, 17 of his 18 years, couple mm -hmm. of state championships, four runner up uh, finishes, mm -hmm. uh, winningest all time coach at Helan. So, uh, Roger will be missed. And I'm, I'm very curious to see if there's any more said about, uh, the differences of opinion between him and the administration. Yeah, that's an interesting story. And Roger's not one to, to back away from those type of things. If he's always says it exactly how he feels and he's always run the program kind of the way he's wanted to run it. But but there's never been anybody that I've ever heard that stood up and said, golly, we don't believe in what Roger Jansen stands for and what he does. And our kids have experienced it. And you never just you never heard anything. You just always, he had a way to relate to kids of every different level. Yeah. Well, no matter what level of player or what level of uh, whether it's a starter, a kid that was just on the team for four years, he seemed to have that same level of relationship. And that's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. So Roger Jansen and his whole staff um, made kids feel good about being a part of the program, mm -hmm. whether they were a starter or whether they were a senior that barely uh, saw the field. Mm -hmm. my, my son, when he was a sophomore, played fullback, probably played a dozen 15 plays uh, a game mm -hmm. and he felt so good about mm -hmm. playing the pl the limited plays that he got to play he was all in and i think roger and his staff made every player feel that way yeah so uh what a what a run 2008 and 2013 state champs for healing and as you stated four state runner-ups and you know one of the things that is is kind of changing in the in the culture uh of, of football a little bit and some of our parochial schools around the area, around the state, um, and, and we're talking about this, seem to all of a sudden not be uh, maybe as successful as they have been in the past, Brad. They're not making the playoffs. And, and the question, you know, becomes why? And is it numbers, Brad? Is it uh, a different type of mentality? What do you think it is? 
You know, that's an interesting question, and that's something that we could spend a whole show on and get some guests for their opinion. You, you know, I've, I, I have a cousin that uh, is a coach for Norfolk Catholic over in Norfolk, Nebraska, and we've talked about this at length. And I think, you know, I've given it some thought, and I think that parents that uh, care enough about education and about Catholic education and are sending their kids to a Catholic school are typically going to be parents that are going to emphasize academics. Mm-hmm. They're going to emphasize staying away from concussions. And, mm-hmm. and I just don't wonder if uh, some of the parents, me included, you know, would, would probably push their kids to tennis and golf. And you know, there's a lot of activities. There's a lot of choices. And with the risks of football, you just wonder if uh, potentially numbers are down for that reason. That's a very, very interesting comment you just made about the concussion. Um, and, and, and I don't think any sport necessarily is, is, uh, you know, is a guarantee you can't get a concussion, but certainly certain sports have higher risk like football. My nephew is a lacrosse player at Maryland. On his team is former UCLA head coach's son, and uh, he also played an all-star game against uh, a former NFL quarterback's son. And Jack uh, was a prominent uh, Division One prospect at South Lake Carroll in Dallas and, and, and chose lacrosse. Now, I'm not sure he chose it necessarily over the fact of worrisome about head injuries, but that is certainly a topic that we hear a lot about, and I think that's why you're seeing some, some changes maybe. Um, I think the sport is focusing itself on trying to get safer, uh, but it's still, a, it's still a violent sport. Yeah, for sure, and, you know, Soccer is an option. Um, so many activities are an option that have less risk of long-term injuries. Um, so I, I just have to believe that uh, there are a lot of parents that are trying to steer their their children away from football. I think that's an interesting uh, an interesting perspective and one you can't necessarily argue with. But I think in today's society too, there's so many options. You know, for for kids and. You know, the, you look at when we grew up uh, a little bit, you know, there just wasn't a lot. So in the summertime, you you worked out, and then you got it together with a bunch of guys, and you went to the field, and you, you, you ran extra pass patterns, and then you sat around at night talking about your season. And and, uh, and that's not saying that that's what people should be doing, but that was kind of the old way. We just didn't have a lot of different things where kids today have so many different options and activities. And, you know, it's not saying they're not dedicated. They could put their time in, but... I'm not sure the full emphasis is on, you know, what happens in that football season means so much. The Friday night lights thing, the Friday night lights appeal, uh, I'm not sure it's here anymore. You know, I don't know, Brad. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And as we talked about a little earlier tonight, um, I know when I grew up, uh, I had a brother that was three years older than I was, and uh, he used to beat the tar out of me every day. And uh, my, my dad's way of policing that was to say, Stay away from him. He's bigger than you. <laughs> well, in today's society, you know, with, uh, you know, everybody, you got safe places and you got uh, non-aggression and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we're making better adults, mm-hmm. but are we making better football players? Probably not. Yeah, that's a, that, there's so much, uh, that's a, this is an interesting debate. This would be something that, like you said, we could go on and have an eight hour seminar on this with many people and it'd really be interesting. I think the other thing is this, you know, um, again, where is the emphasis really on protecting the tradition? Um, you know, for years and years and years, you, you have these schools uh, that say, listen, you know, we're the bloodlines, we're the next in line. And it's very, very important that we do everything possible that we do not take a step backwards and what everybody before us has done. 
and that protecting the tradition in certain sports, you know, I'm not sure it really matters that much anymore. And maybe it does in certain areas. And, but, but again, it depends a little bit on what the perspective is and what you're trying to accomplish. And, uh, it, it's, it's a very interesting topic. Um, you know, we, we love it. We love watching kids compete. Um, we love winning. Uh, I think that's an important thing is just try to strive to win. And it's always fun to win, but it, it teaches you a lot on in, in both sides, uh, winning and losing. And, you know, we could, uh, a few years from now, Rick Wager could have about, uh, 10 grandsons. <laughs> we'll be saying a different yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It all comes down to maybe talent, you yeah. know? So, uh, but any, anyway, we, uh, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about here in our next section of our show as we get into our room of knowledge and talk some, some college sports, big 10 football. And uh, we'll catch everyone here in a few minutes back on two guys in a conversation. We sure appreciate the uh, opportunity to, uh, uh, to talk on 88.1 Catholic Radio. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson here, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And uh, this part of our show is Steve and Brad's Room of Knowledge. We get to chat a little bit about sports that we like to talk about and would just do any any given day on our couch. And, and uh, we're going to start out just by a couple of little uh, uh, tidbits of uh, information. Dakota Valley made the football playoffs, Brad, and they're playing uh, at Canton Thursday night. And then Carlisle is traveling to uh, Sioux City and uh, playing Sergeant Bluff Thursday night as well. Too. So two big area playoff football games to, to keep an eye on. Uh, Dakota Valley Volleyball, 29-3, and three, ranked number two in state of South Dakota, is getting prepared for their uh, district play coming up here uh, next week. And uh, so we'll be reporting on how those teams are doing. Yeah, probably uh, be nice, uh, you know, to give a shout-out to East. You know, six and three, they were the first team out yes. in the playoffs. Yes. And, and narrowly, I wonder if there's ever been uh, such a close RPI between uh, 16th and 17th and 4A. It, so, was the, it was the third standard deviation. I yeah. think it was like uh, 0.003 differential. So, uh, yeah, you're right on on that. The good call by uh, uh, East High Black Raiders had a pretty dang good season. So, uh, Big Ten football, Brad. You know, maybe it's not Big Ten football. It's Ohio State and the rest of us. Yeah. And yeah, the rest was, of them. I was actually kind of hoping we just skip it. Big Ten football this week. <laughs> Listen, we got it. We got to talk. You know, we got to talk. And uh, but uh, anyway, Ohio State continues to to show uh, what they're made of, and and really handling Wisconsin, who's got a solid team. And man, is there a better player in the country right now than Fields, the quarterback? Yeah, he's pretty special. Uh, he, he just makes the difference. I know they've got some different makers on uh, on defense as well, but uh, Jonathan Taylor, 20 rushes, 52 yards. Wow. Uh, Wisconsin under 200 total yards. You know, Fields gets all the credit, but that defense is something else too. Man, if Iowa could hold that those statistics, they might win 2-0 to zero up at Wisconsin. But, yeah. uh, but uh, anyway, you know, the interesting thing about Ohio State is they've got the running back, Dobbins, who's, uh, you know, one of the top five in the country in rushing. Then they got this defensive end, Young, that they're starting to tout for the Heisman. Yeah. And he's crazy, crazy athletic and yeah. very good. I, I think he's uh, probably going to get an invite to the Heisman Award, which is a big deal for a defensive player. I, right. don't, I don't know if that's been done since Ndamukong Sue. Yeah. It's been a while, yeah. a while ago, but he's deserving. Who's the last <laughs> defensive player to win? Was it Woodson? 
I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he's uh man, he's crazy, crazy good. They're talking about him maybe being number one overall in the in next year's NFL draft. So uh they're you know, they got they got those pieces. They're they're so, so tough. Penn State, hmm, man, they uh number five in the country right now, and they look their defense is really, really good. Yeah, they're rolling along. They say that that's one of the best Penn State defenses in the last 10 years for sure. So uh, it's going to be an interesting finish. So we've got uh, in the east, Ohio State and Penn State tied. And if you look at uh, how Ohio State has to finish, Ohio State finishes with Penn State and then at Michigan. So yes. get ready for a great finish. Oh, it's going to be really, really fun. And you know, speaking of uh, Penn State, they uh, they have, I think they I don't know if they have a bye week this week. I think Minnesota's got a bye week, and then they have Penn State coming up to Gopherland uh, to play them, and that'll be a big game for uh, for Minnesota coming up here. Interesting, Brad. Before we get uh, down and talk much about the the other teams, the score top scoring defenses in the United States: uh, number one, Ohio State; number two, Penn State; number three, Iowa. Number six, Wisconsin. Number 16, Michigan. And number 22, Minnesota. Yeah, how about that? Isn't that crazy? The Big Ten is a little bit about defense. Yeah, they, they've got some big, big boys up front. And uh, that's the way the Big Ten's always been. It's just, it's all about the bodies on both sides of the line. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you want to win the Big Ten, I think you're going to have to have some big boys up front. Um so, you know, Michigan, all of a sudden, you said it all along, don't go to sleep on Michigan, you know, and sure enough, man, maybe the, the weather was perfect for that game. I don't know, but man, they after they got that break on that block punt, uh, they just steamrolled Notre Dame. Yeah, that was really a shocker. I thought Notre Dame was a little better than that, but I think we're seeing now uh, Michigan is a little bit healthier and... Uh, Playing a little bit better. They held Notre Dame to 180 total yards, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, 303 yards rushing. So to, so to hold them for under 200 and have 300 rushing, yeah. again, it comes down to line play. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, they have to be uh, – they're going to be very, very interesting down the stretch. And I think Harbar and Jim Harbar's little bit of his legacy and maybe his uh, future is going to hold and be hanging on that last game of the season uh, when Buckeyes come to town. Wisconsin, they're not going to be very happy losing two in a row, and now they're going to face Iowa with a bye week. Uh, man, it's going to be a rough, tough game for Iowa up there. And, uh, uh, you know, I, one of the stats that I didn't realize was their quarterback is number three in the country in uh, completion percentage at 74, 74%, Brad. I'm not sure that he can beat you, though. I, not alone. I, yeah. I, I don't think that he's dynamic enough to beat you. But yeah. here's my prediction. The winner of Wisconsin and Iowa wins the West. Probably right, because uh, Wisconsin ends the season with Minnesota. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, that's a pretty good call. I, yeah. hope, I, I hope you're right. So you Minnesota know. has Penn State, Iowa, then at Northwestern, at Northwestern. and then finishes with Wisconsin. So yeah. Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, they've got the toughest part of their schedule yet for sure. Yet to for play. sure. You know, you look at their early season games, they were just barely winning. Then they they only beat Purdue by like three or points or so. And then they started steamrolling and they got a little momentum. Their quarterback's playing really, really good. Yeah, he is. And they have great receivers. They're running the ball. So they kind of got that boat rowing up there, as PJ Fleck calls it. But 
Yeah, and I think that the weather turned kind of kind of played to their favor. Yeah. Um, yeah, how about uh, I? You know that Iowa game, Iowa Northwestern. I know you were there. Mm-hmm. The the weather was bad, so so I didn't get a chance to see much of that game. So I looked at the stat line, and here's what's amazing: so Northwestern, two hundred two total yards. Mm-hmm. Iowa, zero turnovers, mm-hmm. and Iowa, zero punt returns. Mm-hmm. You know what that says to me is that that uh, Iowa says. We're making no mistakes. Exactly. We're, we're making zero mistakes, and and we're gonna just do our deal. Brad, did you read? You must have read the the post game statements by Ferens and every and all the coaches. They said they know that Northwestern's offense is pretty bad. Yeah. So therefore, we're not gonna make any mistakes. They had fourth and one twice on the Northwestern side towards the end of the first half. And they just let the clock run out so they could punt it twice. Yes. And I mean, and even the, a spattering, it was tw- have to, had to be half the crowd out of the aisle. There was a spattering of boos from the Iowa fans going, what's going on? And they're like, hey, we know we're going to win. All we need to do is score once. Yeah. And that's classic Ferentz football, let me tell you right there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I, I really respect it now. I really respect yeah. it because he knows what his game plan is. Mm-hmm. He sticks to his game plan, and it is exactly what their strengths are. Mm-hmm. And all the all the players know it too. Uh, so Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, good for them. Glad they're having a historic year. Iowa, you know, did that a few years ago, and they haven't had the – the toughest schedule, and they've taken advantage of it, and they're playing well. Uh, we'll see what happens here uh, in, over the next uh, stretch of games, uh, Penn State and then at Iowa. Uh, it's going to really define the season for both programs, I think, uh, when that happens. Um, we're going to have a little more to talk about in uh, this college sports roundup. We've got some Morningside uh, uh, stuff to talk about, Briarcliff, uh, maybe just a few tidbits on some Hawkeye uh, tidbits that we've come up with. Iowa State lost a tough game, so their season's kind of changing, and they're going to have to really, really fight hard to make the bowl game, Brad. So uh, we'll talk a little more in our next section on two guys in a conversation. Hey, wait, welcome back, everybody, to uh, two guys in a conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host Brad Moore, and just wanted to make sure we uh, had a little shout out to uh, Jason Muhlmeyer here from Sterling Computers. Jason's been responsible for uh, taking our little dialogues and putting it all together and then sending it over to 88.1 Catholic Radio. It's been a great job for us. Yeah, thanks to Jason. And and the poor quality when there's been poor quality is not his fault. It's no. Fergie and I traveling yeah. and messing up his technology yeah calling in on our phones <laughs> yeah. but uh no it's been great and we're very fortunate he's got a great setup for us over here in the sterling campus and uh, uh very appreciative of that so college sports roundup a uh, little talk on briar cliff and morningside and uh, tidbits on iowa and iowa state nebraska and uh, we've got to talk a little nebraska before this section is over brad uh, but let's start with morningside football ranked number one getting all the votes for first place and continue to march along uh, went up to Dakota, Dakota Wesleyan, and first half kind of struggled up 27 nothing. but uh, Dolinchek, quarterback, had three interceptions. And uh, so defense had to play a little bit more than uh, normal. Uh, they kind of got things straightened out in the second half, put 42 on them for a 69-0 victory. Uh, Dolinchek ended up with uh, 13 for 23, 280. A.J. Ponder, 148 yards. Three receivers, uh, Jorgenmeyer at 106 yards, who's been having a great season. Bo Ells, 92 yards. Austin Johnson, 48 yards. And then on defense, the twin brothers, 
Jacob and Joel Kotzer. Joel in the first half had six tackles, two for loss, and an INT. Brother Jacob had six tackles, one and a half sacks, and two tackles for loss. Okay, listen to what you're saying about the Morningside Crimson Tide. You said they struggled to a 27-0 lead. Yes, yes. <laughs> the Alabama of the NIA slash GPAC. Yeah, and, uh, that's, uh, there's a lot of truth to that right now, the way they're, they're marching along. Yeah, so also Alabama-like, they've been number one for 16 straight. Uh, polls now, wow. 16 straight, yeah, dating a, back to last year. Very similar. Uh, volleyball uh, is limping along at Morningside, uh, have lost three straight uh, matches, 0-3, 0 got uh, beat pretty handily by Northwestern, number two in the country their night. They've got Mount Marty coming up, senior night. They're going to say goodbye to five seniors, including uh, Emma Gerber, Brittany Olson, and Ellie uh, Albarisho, who's been uh, three-year starters for them and great careers. Uh, they got to go up to Dakota Wesleyan at the end, and if they can knock off Dakota Wesleyan, got a chance to finish sixth in the conference, rank seventh. They will be the host, though, as Briarcliff. Uh, they're going to have a better record than Briarcliff. And also, uh, hoops. We're going to have to be talking basketball next week. Can't wait. Men's basketball, number four in the country. Morningside tips off up at Grand, Mat, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Listen to this, Brad. Number 23, Indiana Tech followed by number 12, Cornerstone, their first two games of the year. Going to be a big measuring stick for the men's hoops team. The women's team ranked number 19, Coach Jamie Sales' team. They'll be over at the Cliff, and they've got number 24, Olivet Nazarene, in their first game, and then number 17, St. Xavier, out of Chicago. Our good friend Brian Atchison's alma mater. Atch was a big-time baseball player at St. Xavier, and uh, they're rolling into town to uh, – Play some basketball over Briar Cliff, so we don't have anything to do. That'd be some fun basketball to watch. GPAC women's basketball is very, very good. Anything new at the Cliff, there, Brad? Well, I'm pretty excited about Briar Cliff football. Uh, they moved to five and three and four and two in the GPAC. They're in third place now. Um, they had a 32 to zero victory over Hastings. Uh, your leader of your all-name team, Preston Mulligan. Uh, back from injury again for the second straight week and uh, 16 of 31, 185 nice. yards, three touchdowns. The combination of Jordan Williams and Greg Henry, who's been, they've been solid all, all uh, year, 166 yards, two touchdowns. Um, senior uh, linebacker Peyton Bailey, we've talked a lot about him, 10 tackles. And then junior defensive lineman from uh, Los Angeles, California, Robert Robertson, uh, 14 tackles and was the GPAC defensive player of the week. Wow. Uh, next game is, uh, let's see, we've got Saturday uh, at Doan before finishing up uh, with Concordia and uh, Northwestern. The so. Cliff is going to possibly finish third of the conference. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, they're having a tremendous year. Where, very, what what a great thing to see going on over there. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I got that. Uh, I, I was reading uh, Morningside's finishing schedule there. So BC Saturday versus number five Northwestern Ooh, at Memorial that. Field. So that's this Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, BC Volleyball, boy, they continue to slide. They yep. lost to number 17, Concordia, and number 24, Midland, uh, during the last week. They're 13-16 and 16 overall, 3-11 and 11 in the GPAC. They've lost nine in a row and 13 of their last 15. So yep. not good for them. The one positive uh, note on uh, senior night, Delaney Meyer, senior setter from Kansas City, Missouri. She went over 2,000 assists for wow. her career. Only the sixth in uh, Briarcliff history yeah, to do that. She's, uh, I, I saw her play as a freshman, and she's a really, really talented little setter over there and been a four-year starter. So, yeah, so good, for, good for her. Yeah, good for her. Briarcliff uh, women's basketball got uh, kicked off. They're 1-0, uh, 85-73 over Dakota State. 
next game, uh, November 1st, against St. Xavier at home, 7.30. Briarcliff men's basketball, uh, first game November 1st uh, at Bellevue University. So we're getting into hoop season. Brad, we got to figure out how to get Coach Power and Coach Sales in here at the same time and interview them. Yeah. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be highly entertaining. <laughs> I, I, we just don't know how much they like each other. They, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe they do, but it'd we, be a lot of fun. We'll stretch it out to an hour, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll make them come in. We sure like those two guys. They're fun, and uh, we'll we'll try to get an interview with those uh, those get those jokers here. Sometimes this year. Hey, quick tidbit on Iowa. James Ferentz, Coach Ferentz's son, made his first career NFL start the other night for the Pats. Brad, and listen to this story. Undrafted in 2014 been released six times in the NFL. He's had two full seasons on the practice squad. Uh, he's been with three or four different teams. Did play in the Super Bowl with the Broncos when they won it. Uh, and is considered undersized at 6'2", 300. But you're talking about persevering. Does that sound like an Iowa thing right there? Oh, for sure. And he's now getting his first start at age 30. So good for him and and uh, good for Coach Ferentz and the family. So that's pretty neat to see. Yeah, another Iowa uh, local athlete, Alan Lazard. I'm oh, seeing getting yes. some time from Green Bay, doing very well. He's yeah. fun to watch. He's making me a Green Bay fan. Hey, uh, boy, I'll tell you what. After that game that he had on Monday night, uh, or Sunday night or Monday night, Rodgers was highly complimentary yeah. and said he's been doing it in practice, and he said, I trust him 100%. So that was really cool. Okay, Brad, we got a few minutes to talk about Nebraska, Indiana, uh, you know, the whole deal down there. And, uh, uh, you know, it's they're 4-4. Four and four. And uh, expectations were probably a little higher than, than uh, you know, everybody always has expectations. But um, so now what? Now what's going to happen here? You know, I think expectations were high because everyone uh, drank the Kool-Aid. Scott Frost was pouring out the Kool-Aid. Yeah. He was the one that I think uh, thought that year two would be really different. They have a chance to get six wins, uh, go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And in year two, uh, given where Nebraska was, I guess that's that's okay. You know, it's not okay for me and a lot of Nebraska fans, but you know, it's progress. They continue to make mistakes that cost them games. They're, they're a middle of the road type of team. They're not good enough to overcome mis- mistakes, key penalties in the worst circumstances and, and, and turnovers and, and the fumbles, the yeah. game changing fumbles this yeah. last Saturday, yeah. uh, they're driving in for a score. Uh, they fumble it. Uh, they go 75 yards the other direction. Instead of us getting seven, they got seven. It's just game-changing. They can't overcome it. So they've had some injuries. But, uh, you know, bottom line, Frost and his staff thought they would come kick the door down to the Big Ten and that they would bring their style of play. Mm -hmm. And I think what the Big Ten has done is slapped them around a little bit and said, hey, listen, new kid on the block. You're going to have to adapt to us. You're going to have to adapt to us. And they will. As you said already, he's been recruiting the big uglies, the big four-star linemen. Which means you got to give them two, three years, Brad. I mean, it's very, very unusual to see a freshman, sophomore starter in the line. Um, and you look around these programs. I mean, if they are, they're incredibly talented, or there's a need. Yeah. And uh, because it takes time in this in this development thing, and I, I, I'm beginning to appreciate it more and more and more than what I watch Big Ten football. And so, on the bright side, um, Nebraska is playing true freshman quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing uh, Wandale Robinson, true freshman mm-hmm. running back, and they're excelling. And, and they look good, and they're competing in the ben- Big Ten with uh, with two freshmen. So 
you know, the future looks bright. I, I guess I'll leave it at that. It's going to be fun for us to do our forecasting at the end of the season because there's a lot of young programs in the Big Ten right now. A lot of teams are pretty young, and uh, I think that's the way the world now with the early escapes to the NFL. But, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, Indiana, you know, good for them, I guess. You know, it's the first time they've been bowl eligible this early uh, in a long time. You and, know, their their fans were great. And uh, I was sitting next to a table full of Indiana fans at breakfast, and I said, great timing. It's going to be 65 degrees today, beautiful weather. You're a good team. I said, that this was a good time to come to Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. so they haven't been there a long time. Hey, one other note, just uh, real yeah. quickly, big update, NCAA Board of Governors, they ruled with California that yep. uh, they are going to start to pay athletes. So keep an eye on that. That's, to, that's a game changer. More to talk about how that's going to influence an Iowa versus an Alabama in the recruiting world. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to us on Two Guys in a Conversation. We hope to see you and listen. hope you're listening next week. We're signing off Steve Ferguson and Brad Moore.